I've got an emergency and a sudden escape of air. I have a rather rum cove. Welcome to Date Fight. Hello. It's the podcast where we take great moments that occurred on this day in history and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake. Yeah, I'm Nat Tapley. And together we are filtering the pasta shapes of history through our nice. hands to see which would be most appropriate to make the <laughs> casserole of this show out of. <laughs> do you put pasta in a casserole? I don't. No, we do on this show. It's the worst casserole in the world. Yes. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> I'm going to take you to the 5th of March, 1497. When John Cabot, or as he was really called, Giovanni Caboto. All oh, right, mate. Listen, we had an election about that. <laughs> well, yeah. We had a referendum about that, mate. You lost. Get over it. I am over it. I'm over it. I'm fine. It doesn't at all consume every waking oh, yeah? hour. Don't say like that to me, snowflake. Quite a laughing face. Um, <laughs> uh, so he goes to see Henry the Seventh, and Henry the Seventh said, "Yes, you can go and explore America, please, and let me know what you find over there. Let's hope it's lots of beaver and cod and bears and things with lots of nice big furry pelts. Because who doesn't love beaver, cod, and bear pie? Oh, I love a furry pelt. Which I'm guessing was probably a thing in those days." <laughs> sort of pelt if you offer me a pelt i'm yours um, he right. so he went and he became it became the first european exploration of north america well not the first the vikings had been there first but the first since the vikings um he wanted to find a route to china but canada got in the way henry the seventh gave him a commission to go from bristol he wanted bristol to be the exclusive port for the americas um, and Bristolians had for years been looking for an island they called High Brazil, where they thought Brazil would came from. Um, so they kept going into the Atlantic to look for it and not finding it. But Cabot went a bit one day went a bit further and found Canada instead. So he found Canada, he found the Great Lakes, he found loads of stuff. Um, and he came back, he went back once, he went back twice, he wrote to Christopher Columbus to boast and said, ha-ha, you just found the Caribbean and things, I found Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Mm. Why did you call it that? Because I found, found it, it and it's new. And did he find Cabot Circus in Bristol? Oh, he probably did find it. Well, it was probably after because yeah. they wrote, when he comes back to Bristol, no, he's no, called no, the yeah. Great Admiral and vast honour is paid to him and he goes around dressed in silk oh. and men run after him like mad. Oh, men. Just imagine being followed by a horde of Bristolians. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to imagine. Don't need <laughs> to imagine. Silky. It wasn't silk. It was uh, <laughs> pint glasses filled with weed. But... He's so tall. Look at him. So oh. Great Admiral. I love him. I'm going to touch him. Um, Cheers, Droyth. That went on well. He Henry the Seventh at one point got distracted by Perkin Warbeck and so forgot to sign the thing saying he could have the money. So he had to hang around for a bit. And he did a first voyage, then a second voyage, and then he went on his third voyage and completely disappeared. Nobody knows what happened to John Cabot and all his He men. found High Brazil! He found High Brazil! He's busy living on Brazilwood on a very hard chair. <laughs> 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 so his son went to look for him in 1508-1509. Sebastian Cabot went on another expedition, uh, came back and wanted to go again. But by that time, it was Henry VIII, not Henry VII, and Henry VIII did not care about America at all. Wow. So John Cabot opened up North America to the Europeans, got the English involved in imperialism. But most importantly, he gave the name to Cabot Cove, which was the home of Jessica Fletcher in Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> <laughs> uh... 
I don't want to draw back any velvet curtains here. No. <laughs> but I'm getting some sense of how you came to this story. Yes. By the way, Cabot Cove has five to six murders a year. It is the... which is more than Honduras. Blimey. According to those people who've watched all the episodes and uh, okay. counted how many... That's very impressive. They do the same article for Midsummer every year, don't they? they do. Midsummer would be the most would be the most violent city in England if it weren't made up. That's anyway. great. What have you got? Oh, no, it's birthdays. No. Yeah. Relax. Do do oh, wow. It was only yesterday. It was only yesterday. Now I have my go. You've had your go. Oh, yeah. Calm down. Okay. Wow. Mate, your script. Mate, stop screaming. Please stop screaming. Mate, you're still screaming. Uh, I'm going to take you to the 5th of March, 1872. And I want to talk to you about a guy called George Westinghouse, who became one of the fathers of American electricity. Mm. Our friend's electric. uh, Around four years before, when he was about 21, he witnessed a train wreck and it was horrendous. Here's what happened. Two trains were going towards each other. Yeah. The two engineers on the trains went... Oh, no, you're coming towards me. Yeah, I see that, buddy. I'm not necessarily doing an authentic American <laughs> accent there. <laughs> it's just verbatim written all the time. I see that, buddy. What they then had to do was to try to stop their trains before they smashed into each other. And do you know how they had to do that? Did they have to get out and push? Well, they might as well have done. They had to run up to the top of the train, run along catwalks along the top of the carriages, mm. and pull on brake levers manually on each carriage. Oh. It's insane. That's very... So we're like, right, that's number one. Oh, I hope we stop in time. <laughs> right, that's number two. Oh, boy, it's getting very close now. Right, that's... Not, oh. <laughs> that would have been ideal for a silent film, though, seeing them do it carriage by carriage. It really builds the tension. Yeah. After that, this guy, Westinghouse, mm. who'd seen this as a young man, he was like, right, yeah. I'm, I'm not having this. We need to sort this out. So... He came up with a fail-safe brake design system for railways using compressed air. So the way it worked was you basically had a a tube going all the way down the length of the train with compressed air in it. So if you imagine you... And then uh, effectively, like if you imagine you have like a brake shoe on top of a wheel. Yeah. So it's resting on it. But in between the two, you put a balloon and you blow up the balloon so that it comes off the, the wheel. Yeah. And that's how it is running. So the train runs like that with this shoe okay. basically propped up off the wheel by a balloon. So that in the event of any kind of uh, mishap or failure of the device, the train will stop. The balloon, yeah. the, you know, the, the air pressure will drop, the brake shoes will drop and the train will stop. And that is a system that is still used mm. Uh Pretty much universally what? it was used on railways and even uh, heavy trucks use it. It's this, it's the same principle. And it was patented on this day in 1872 by George Westinghouse, who, who went on... So, in Norbert, Norbert Duntress Angle trucks now, where the guy's been driving for 18 hours, stopping only to pick up more ginsters and pornography and, at and roadside doggers. cafes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, are still don't worry i'm still protected by the westinghouse balloon it's basically that yeah you know when you hear trucks go uh, that's yeah. the air pressure mm. being released on their but surely, surely the friction break. of the shoe is what stops the wheel but 
Why, why doesn't the friction of the wheel on the balloon pop the balloon? Well, because the balloon isn't actually resting on the wheel. The balloon is resting beside the wheel, holding the brake oh, above okay. the thing. I mean, I didn't oh, describe I it well. Course, I was trying to paint a picture in your minds, everyone, and I failed, and That's bye-bye. Right. I'm not an inventor. But uh, you, you get the sense of it, I think. <laughs> Let's have a birthday. I'm going to say happy birthday to Rosa Luxemburg, philosopher, economist, anti-war activist, who founded the Spartacus League in 1915... She was involved in the Spartacus uprising in 1919. Although she objected to it, she didn't think they should be having a revolution in Germany. Um, that was the one where we spoke, talked about it before. She and um, her boyfriend were killed by the Freikorps and left in a canal. But she was a critic of Lenin. She was left-wing critic of Lenin. Um, in fact, she wrote a book saying how Bolshevism was wrong and how Lenin and Trotsky were messing everything up and how they shouldn't overrule the Constituent Assembly and all the national governments. And they wrote back going, No, but Russia is different, you see. Mm, that's what you don't understand from Germany. Russia's very different, so we're just doing it our way. Shut up, you please. Um, they said Russia was a special case. You're a special case, mate. Banter. <laughs> that's what people keep coming back to this podcast for, Nat. <laughs> Shouts of banter. And you lost, get over it. <laughs> I don't know that I'm bringing much to the table. Carry on. And win means win. Um, freedom all is always the freedom of the dissenter. That was her motto and... Let's remember that today of all days on the yes. 5th of March, 5th of March. I've got a death for you. I feel drunk and I'm not. It's very frustrating. Uh, oh. I've got a death. 1770, Crispus Attux. Oh. He was an American stevedore. Is that how you say it? Mm. I think it is, yes. Okay, good. I think it is, stevedore. Uh, of African and Native American descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thought to be the first person to peg it in the Boston Massacre, mm-hmm. and therefore the first American killed in the American Revolution. Mm. And he was mixed race, and people don't know if he was an escaped slave or a free man. Ooh. But he became an icon of the anti-slavery movement in the mid-19th century. Mm-hmm. And uh, people sort of lauded him as being a hero on account of getting himself all chopped up right at the top of the American Revolution. <laughs> what kicked it all off. Yes. Well done him for getting himself all chopped a bit. Uh, right. That's it for today's mm? Date Fright. We will be back how slender, tomorrow. How, how I know. How lithe. How supple. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another one. Do tell your yes, friends. Hurry back. Don't forget, you can still vote if you go to twitter.com slash date underscore fight or facebook.com forward slash date fight here ends our message goodbye date fight goodbye goodbye